Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking CRM. I'm Colin Brogan, and I'm here with my co-host, Megan Hewer. Megan, how are you today? Well, I'm I'm actually really excited to introduce our guest today. We've got two great guests, and um, I want to share with you how I have gotten to reconnect with them over the last year. Um, you know, I, when I decided to, to sort of take a big career shift, um, the thing that I promised myself is that I was going to talk to somebody doing something cool every day for as long as it took. And I'm still trying to do that, actually. Um, and it's really fun. And two of my favorite people that I talked to on that journey, actually very early in that journey, um, were Liz and Dina, because I saw them launch their new company, the Captivate Collective at basically the beginning of sort of the epically bad last 12 months. Although <laughs> I have to say, I think for Liz and Dina, maybe these haven't been such bad 12 months because you guys have been able to build something really, really powerful. Um, and I'm excited to have you both here. Um, for those who don't know, Liz and Dina are the co-founders of the Captivate Collective, which is um, just an amazing consultancy helping organizations with um, advocacy, customer marketing, customer loyalty, sort of all things customer, which I think is really exciting and really valuable right now. Um, they come by that uh, that company, honestly, um, Dina is the co-author of a book called The Messenger is the Message, really highlighting the importance of advocacy and customer voices. Um, and um, Liz is the former VP of advocacy at Influitive, which most people know as sort of the de facto standard technology that helped to bring um, advocacy 1.0 to the market. Um, but what I'm really excited to hear from Liz and Dina about today is kind of their vision for advocacy 2.0 and all of the great things that customers contribute to the health of a business. Um, so welcome, Liz and Dina. We're thrilled to have you here. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so exciting to be on a call with you guys. And Meg, I remember meeting you way back at a conference. It had to have been in 2014 and hearing you speak and saying, I'm going to go talk to her after this talk because I love what she had to say. Well, I'm I'm honored. I'm glad somebody was listening because I always wonder. You put so much time into those presentations, and then you wonder, like, were people just looking at their phones the whole time? Like, <laughs> comes and talks to you. It means so much. And, and, and I'm glad we've been able to reconnect, and, and I've been able to learn from you both over the last year. Um, but let's kick things off there. Tell us, you know, a lot's been changing in our world, and um, you're talking about sort of the evolution of advocacy, sort of. Let's start with where do you see advocacy going? What's next? What is it going to be? I think before we, we talk about where it's it's going, where where has it been? And I can certainly step in there. Um, I was in uh, the kind of customer advocacy driver seat starting back in 2005 and 2006 when I was known as the girl who gave away t-shirts to happy customers. Um, I was known as like the real kind of nice to have uh, in terms of the business. And that's really what advocacy was at that time. It was a support system uh, primarily for marketing um, and then evolved to be um, a support system for sales um, at that time. Um, but advocacy in those days was really about finding those really super happy customers, those kind of unicorn customers, and finding ways to make them even happier so that they could help you in your mission to support 
sales and marketing in the business and customer advocacy sat quite contently um, in that position um, for a number of years, growing in importance um, in in kind of in terms of the a category being created by the wonderful and talented Mark Oregon. Um, more people understanding kind of maybe even in a peripheral way what customer advocacy is about. Um, but it wasn't until, um, you know, I would say, and, and Liz, you know, feel free to jump in here around the when, um, you know, companies moved from that on-prem model to more of a SaaS model when the cloud came into being that really started this this road to where we are today with this 2.0 model um, because the the needs of the organization changed rapidly uh, in more of a cloud-centric market place and the outcomes of advocacy started to expand quite rapidly uh, in this brave new cloud-powered world uh, as well. I agree. I think what we're seeing is an evolution for sure of the practice itself. Like Dina said, when when I started, and you know, I'm a baby, I guess, in terms to when Dina started, I started in 2013, specifically in this idea of an advocacy program for your customers. But the focus really was, I mean, admittedly, a little self-serving. It was very much about how can we accelerate sales? How can we get our customers to do our best marketing? And these are still wonderful outcomes of advocacy. And then I think, you know, somewhere in the last five years, people have embraced this idea of there are many ways your customers can influence and help your organization in the world of customer marketing, I mean, customer support and how they can help other customers um, be successful with your products, with your services. And there's also product, which is becoming a huge uh, focus in the world of customer advocacy. How can customers help innovate our platform? Um, and and so those are kind of the expanding outcomes of advocacy that we've seen in the last five years. I think where we are now is on the cusp of these programs to to reach these broader outcomes. They there has been a focus on well how how do we even get advocates to begin with? Like if we want everyone to have the goodness of advocacy and experience what you can do when you're connected to other customers, um, when there's a customer who might be able to help you with your problems or you help them. Maybe you want to engage with the company and have a relationship, but you may not be at this point of saying like, or identifying as I'm an advocate. Like I would go outside with a sign and say, I love brand X. I'm, I'm totally an advocate. A lot of customers do not identify that way. They simply want to engage. They want to be successful. Um, And then from that point of being successful, some of them grow into these wonderful advocates. And I think customer marketers and advocacy professionals have realized there's a very long tail journey to getting to the point of advocacy. And so what we have seen is organizations attempting to build programs that really speak to that whole long tail journey. So instead of just plucking your happy customers out and saying, okay, let's do amazing things with them. We're actually helping organizations build programs that say, okay, we actually just want to focus this first part of the journey on making customers successful. And that means you have to integrate with a lot of the customer journey that already exists when it comes to 
training and education when it comes to, um, you know, circumstances that may, things may not go well. What is that journey like? What is that engagement like? And then getting them from being successful to being loyal. Do they have a good experience with you? What is their affinity to your brand? Are you purposefully orchestrating moments that matter to build that affinity along that customer journey. So we're getting pretty savvy here in how we're thinking about touching the customer, all with the goal in mind of getting them to this point of advocacy, whatever that may mean. And that may mean someone going out and speaking on your behalf at a conference, but that might also mean someone volunteering to mentor a less mature customer. There's a, a lot in that world of advocacy. And so we we really think now about advocacy in a big, long swoop from how are we helping as a program or multiple programs to make customers successful all the way to how are we creating a feeling associated with being a customer of our brand all the way to how are we activating our customers? How are we leveraging them to grow our business? Um, it's amazing how sophisticated the practice has become. And I get to listen to Liz talk all day and it just, it never gets old. She's just so wonderfully articulate with, with her ideas. Um, going from, hey, we need a, sales needs a reference or marketing needs someone for a case study to this just amazing, like this world of, of advocacy 2.0, the sophistication of it and the complexity and the power that that it has inside the business now is just, it's it's amazing. I have a question. So, um, you know, who is the, who are the stakeholders or, or who is the main stakeholder these days for, for advocacy? I guess in your world, right? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, is it marketing? Is it the, the advocacy person, right? Is it more sales? Um, and is it more, you know, ROI driven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to pass it to Dina after I take a first stab. But um, we do still see most advocacy programs or even as we call them more broadly now, customer engagement programs still living with marketing. Now, we have seen this new field grow up, customer marketing, right? Customer marketing didn't even exist, as we all know. It's a baby step. Um, yeah, yeah, very, very recent. I mean, we've customer success is still a very recent transformation. And now we've um, brought on this new customer marketing segment. And so we see a lot of the programs living there. Why? Because customer marketing is focused on customers, but it has the the technology and the reach to scale, right? So the other, most of the time, the, the battle might be with customer success, maybe customer success, who is invested fully in the customer, focused on outcomes such as retention and upsell. Maybe it would make sense for the program to live there. However, the goodness of a customer engagement program, as we just said, it goes all the way from marketing to sales to CS to product. So who is best poised to orchestrate with all of these departments. And I don't think there is necessarily a perfect answer to that right now, Colin. I do think that customer marketing has come up from like the ground and sprouted and like we cannot find enough customer marketers today because there is a general concept that 
you know, we, we market to our customers in order to grow their business. We market to new prospects, you know, using our customer voice and we put it into prospect marketing to do better marketing. Um, and so customer marketing has a nice fit right now with the sense that they already know how to scale, whereas CS is still struggling to find and, and learn how to scale throughout the organization. And so that's why I think right now it's landed in customer marketing. And before Dana jumps in, I found something you said very interesting, right? They, they haven't, they've had to find the right department or the right entity, right, that's, um, uh, that's poised to integrate with the rest of the company. Mm-hmm. And that's really the trick. And I find that it constant, wherever we go, whether it's, you know, whichever clients, whatever, whichever business problems, um, just the fact that you have the language and the skills to go in and sort of bring these different mm-hmm. entities together that have different interests, different metrics, different, you know, success measures, um, and get them to talk the same language, I think is a minor miracle, right? And, and part of how just overall marketing is getting done and certainly customer advocacy. I mean, to be honest, I really thought the department or the field, because it's not um, always a very um, uh, apparent department, it would, would have been um, client experience, customer experience. I thought not not the idea we think of customer experience as support and, you know, a branch of that, but more this overarching idea of the customer experience. I actually thought that that was the function that was going to come up and kind of take over because customer experience can be very technologically driven, very data driven. Um, but but I think what marketing lends is that that personality and that relationship, the people in marketing have those skills. And so we were just talking about that need to have both soft skills, which which is the harder actually to teach and to find is this ability to interact with, to gain the trust of, to create relationship with your customers. But then you also need these data-driven skills. You have to be able to show what are the outcomes, what's the end result for your organization, and I'll just touch on it right now. Maybe we can talk about it later, but what's the end result for your customer as well? And if you're not able to measure these things, um, you're going to be in a tough spot. That's more advocacy. 1.0 was all focused on, let's just make them happy. Let's love on them. Let's engage them. We'll just talk about how many people are engaged and we'll call it a day. And now it is becoming much more um, just integral for you to be able to to map out how is this touching the entire organization and what are the metrics that really matter? What do we need to report on when it comes to customer engagement? Yeah, I think part of this evolution that we're going to, you know, continue to uh, see at this point is the discipline or the function of customer advocacy being becoming very very kind of um, cross departmental, not in the sense that we're used to, like, let's have it live somewhere and then kind of organize by committee or whatever it may be. But we may even see customer advocacy grow into some sort of, you know, department or, or customer engagement in kind of like a, a pod type structure because everyone wants a piece of the customer now, whereas <laughs> in 1.0, it was like you could do without it, right? Like that we didn't have things to worry about, like retention, right? We were selling products to people and moving on. But now with retention and, and Megan, the, the last conference that I was at, um, you again did a fantastic uh, main stage uh, presentation where you talked about um, retention 
in particular. Everyone wants a piece of that pie now. So everyone wants a piece of the happy, engaged customer. <laughs> and so now that, you know, it kind of flips it on its head because now sometimes when we're working with our clients, it's kind of like herding cats because you have customer advocacy happening across the business in all different places and in all different ways with different levels of sophistication, different levels of understanding of the practice. So it's kind of centralizing what is the strategy for the business around customer advocacy? Who are who is who who needs to be on this team? Not just where does it sit in the business, but who do we need to be the kind of constant input and voice on this team to help us have a cohesive, um, outward-looking um, vision for for what our customer means to our business. You know, I think one of the reasons it's landed in marketing is because if you're good at it, you start all marketing with thinking about the customer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the evolution of marketing has been to go from just being about bringing in new leads, even just top of the funnel, to being about the full funnel, but now even going beyond that and saying, Mm -hmm. now actually, if you want to be a great recurring revenue business, which every business should want to be, (laughs) um, you need to have marketing focused on post-sale customer engagement, the language that you're using. But really, I mean, customer engagement, I think now means the entire journey. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we've been talking about at Winning by Design, some language I really like is the idea of it's not a buying experience. It's not just a you know customer experience or post-sale experience. It's a customer impact journey. But the idea of you only succeed if you deliver impact to your customers. You only become a successful recurring revenue business if you have recurring impact. So if you begin with saying, how do we deliver impact? Then by default, you wind up with different elements sort of orchestrating across that journey. And I think the Mm -hmm. idea of the pod structure, which we've seen in sales, um, could be a really, really interesting way to coordinate across that entire journey, right? Thinking Mm -hmm. about how you bring all of those different functions together. It's the same cast of characters, really, for all of the parts of the journey, Um, with maybe a few cameo appearances here and there from different functions. But um, if you think about how do you just organize that pod, I think that's really interesting around some of the impact that you're trying to deliver. Um, and then also some of the internal impact that you want. You, I think that that could be a nice orchestration principle for this whole you know, sort of advocacy 2.0. I like it. Tell me where things get difficult. A lot of companies, I think, because they've had to, you know, they had to embrace advocacy 1.0 or they were crazy. Um, now thinking about how you evolve that to advocacy 2.0, what, what gets difficult about making that transition? What are some of the things you're seeing and, and how are you able to help companies sort of overcome some of those challenges? Absolutely. I, I think there are a lot of challenges in moving into advocacy 2.0 because it is a pioneering field. We remember when 1.0 was a pioneering field and you felt very, very adventurous. Yeah. And and we are at the, you know, we're standing at the sea line now, like ready to, do we embark? Do we embark on something that seems big, broad, overwhelming sometimes with just the scope of what we're trying to do. And so I think when Advocacy 1.0 was really focused on, I'm going to say advocacy, right? I mean, it was really focused on the outcomes of the program. And now with 2.0, there's a lot of focus on loyalty and impact. We can use that word, Megan. You know, what what is your program driving for the customer? 
And, and how are you playing into this idea of customer loyalty? So Dean and I talk a lot about loyalty advocacy fusion and how programs need to be looking at that from both directions now. Um, when we first started in advocacy, if you use the word loyalty, it was really poo-pooed because we know that B2C loyalty programs are transactional. We know that Southwest has no idea who I am as a person, what I desire, what I love. And we were very proud of the fact that advocacy programs were about personalizing to them almost white glove experience, knowing who these people were. But I think what organizations have found is, well, darn, this isn't very scalable. (laughs) This is really hard. I can't give all the people in my program this exact same kind of experience, especially with the tools that were available at that time. And see, if we looked over at our sisters on the B2C side, we were like, well, man, they sure do have this scale thing down. I mean, they're doing great with that. But we were like really proud of ourselves because we were doing the really personal, relational, deep thing over here. But the truth is B2C has gotten really savvy as well as in terms of personalization. So, yes, it is impersonal in the sense that they don't really know who I am or care about who I am. But they sure do know what I love. They know what my habits are. They know what's important to me because they have a lot of systems and tools that are reading all of that. And they have a lot of field to play with. They're looking at my buying behavior. They're looking at my Facebook profile. They're looking at all sorts of things so that when they finally do get in front of me, man, they know the right message and and I often respond. Um, And so I think what we believe is that programs now really need to think of some of those loyalty aspects, that idea of, are you mining information from your customers? Are you doing the research in a scaled way? Um, When you take those bits of information that your customers willingly give you, are you then bringing it into this idea of a structured program? And are you personalizing the program to ensure that the program is offering content opportunities, whatever it is, that is relevant to that customer based on what their desires are professionally, personally, and also what their needs are as a customer and also where they are in the customer journey. So if you start to think about that, that's a lot to orchestrate and people are struggling because it used to be like, oh, well, we'll just build a program and we'll just expect, you know, everyone who's cool is going to come into the program and we'll just kind of go from there. Um, But now we know we need to build engagement with all of our customers and we're trying to think of a savvy way to do that And we don't necessarily want to require, because everyone's different, we don't want to require everyone to say, oh, okay, I'm ready to build a login and come into a program and engage with whatever content you're going to put in front of me. We actually want to get more and more customer-centric where we're meeting the customer where they're at. So the creation of a customer engagement program in our minds is no longer simply just, I built a community and I'll wait for the people to come into the community and engage them there. We're really trying to get our customers to think about customer engagement as journeys that happen across the entire customer um, customer journey. Sorry for using journeys twice. And that means you're going to have to create a portfolio of programs. Some are going to be light touch where you're just learning about your customer and it happens as they are interacting at different key points in their customer journey. Some programs will be like communities where people can come in and get peer-to-peer relational help. Some programs will be that really white glove, high touch experience that you do want to give to a very targeted audience. And so really it's no longer about a 
engagement program. It's about an engagement portfolio. And, and some of that is very light touch, high scale and using technology to personalize. And then some of that goes all the way to what we would call old school advocacy. Like we're going to wine and dine you. We're going to treat you like the most amazing customer ever. Um, but all of these different strategies have different goals in mind, both for the customer and for the organization. And so you really have to think through that very much larger strategy than what used to exist before. You know, I got to say, this is um, kind of why we call this show Talking CRM and not Talking CX, because a lot of the themes that that are coming through, um, it's a similar talk track to I think where Megan and I have been for many years. Understand the differences in your customer base. Understand the different value sets, right? Concentrate mm-hmm. the more of your resources on your, your top customers, but don't ignore the other segments either, right? We just need to kind of scale our treatment strategies. Um, almost reminds me of what we said in our early video, how to reach the ecstasy. <laughs> Find it in the link above. <laughs> but... Um, but aside from the shameless plug, um, and I think you'll find some similarities, as you, honestly. Um, I think we're, we're saying the same language. But um, you know, how does a company, how do they get started? I mean, let's say they even have an old-fashioned, you know, who are our best customers, and let's get them to say nice things about this program. Um, you know, what are, like, the, the first two or three things that a company can do to sort of crack this code? Yeah, the very first thing that a company should do is talk to their customers. Sounds like a no-brainer, but it is an often overlooked first step. Oftentimes, we'll come in to work with an organization and we'll sit down with the stakeholders and, you know, kind of do that initial discovery. And they'll tell us our customers, you know, they definitely don't want free things. Absolutely not. Do not offer things. They will find that really icky. So let's make sure that we don't at all ever offer stuff. Uh, we'll say, okay, yeah, and nod, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then when we go out and actually we we go through the kind of a two-pronged approach, we do some broad serving and then some one-to-one interviewing. And, you know, more often than not, we come back into the business with, you know, some really good news that they can use that, um, you know, you, you thought that you really knew what your customers wanted, but when you ask them uh, the right questions, you'll get uh, the answers to help you build um, the right strategy, the right strategy, and the right um, the right program uh, for those customers to plug into. So I'd say that's um, definitely a first uh, a first place to start, and a really easy way to start. You don't have to develop a huge, you know, big broad survey. Survey you you know who your friendlies are. Just ask them for half an hour of their time and shoot the breeze. Um, have a casual conversation. Get to um, you know get to know them and understand what it is that they may be looking for out of their relationship with you and figure out how you can, um, how you can deliver that. Um, And then the second piece, again, often overlooked surprisingly is actually having a strategy for many, many years, customer advocacy. As I said, I was the girl with the t-shirts. It was a real nice to have type of thing inside your business. Sure. Let's make our customers happy and give them some free stuff. Woo. Uh, But more and more um, the practice of customer engagement can drive real business results. And when it's done right, it can be a critical driver uh, for, uh, for business outcomes. And none of that is going to happen if you don't have a real strategy, a real documented strategy, the same way you would in any other hardcore area of your business. Um, Customer advocacy can drive real results um, if it's organized and thought of um, strategically inside the business and if it's tied right into what the the high level priorities are uh, for the business. So I'm sold and I've got to sell it to my CMO. What am I going to measure? Oh, 
Yeah, good one. Well, it depends on your business. I've read something on LinkedIn this weekend where someone said, you know, in, in that if it if you're not talking about um, revenue or I can't remember what it said, it's like it just doesn't matter. Oh, I read that link too. I read that. I was point. like, I was like, wow, really? Wow, like especially in today's day and age, like I get it, revenue, like it signs it signs the paychecks, new business signs, like keeps us employed. But to really get you to that point of revenue, there's so much that you can do that doesn't have that straight line to the bottom line. And that's what this LinkedIn post was saying. If it doesn't have a straight line to the bottom line, it doesn't matter. Don't do it. Just forget about it. Move on to to something uh, that does. Um, so I would say if I'm talking to the CMO about um, what uh, what outcomes uh, are most important. So, tip, you know, typical play in customer advocacy is going to be around content in the marketing realm. Um, a lot of people stop short and say, okay, we're going to um, deliver 50 new case studies a quarter, and that's going to be our success metric, but that's actually not a success metric. That's just the number of case studies that you produced. So we would take that through uh, into the world of metrics by saying, okay, let's look at metrics around how these case studies are performing um, with the, with, with sales, with prospects, um, which case studies are being used in what deals are, what is the, um, uh, what is the speed of time to close on those deals where particular assets are, are being used. So, you know, it comes down, um, customer advocacy's, um, role in, in the world of marketing oftentimes has a strong pit play in influence so also what this LinkedIn post is saying. I mean, it really obviously got to me. It was Easter weekend and here I am reading, reading LinkedIn. But, you know, the idea that influence doesn't matter. But um, I would say that influence does matter if influence is looked at and, and um, through kind of a, a, a strategic business-minded lens. Number of case studies doesn't matter. What is the impact of those case studies? That That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think like the big takeaway is that most people start out by measuring engagement, which is, I mean, it's that that's a natural fine place. Like you're trying to measure who joins, how many people are engaging with the content in your program, and that is fine. Um, but engagement is also not ne- an end in it in itself. Like it does not necessarily mean anything for your organization, um, and so you have to understand. What is it? What are those main things I am trying to drive through this program? Is it that I'm trying to look at customers in this program and identify if they are spending more or retaining longer than other customers outside the program? Am I looking to see if I'm able to drive um, support deflection through this this, um, program? That's going to depend on what is most important to your organization. A lot of people just want to know, like, what are we supposed to be measuring? Well, you have to understand what is it that your C-suite is up there talking about this year as the main issue, the main challenge, the main opportunity. Is it we're getting ready to IPO? Great. Well, maybe then your main metric for your program is to get reviews out there. Maybe it's brand recognition and awareness. You need to have your... Um, community or, or engagement program members posting on social, sharing about it to create that sense of uh, importance for as you lead up to that moment. So it really has to depend on what it, your, your, your organization strategy is. And then your program strategy has to flow directly down from that. Um, and so, yeah, we're, you know, we're big, we're, we're definitely big sticklers on that. And that flows into, we get a lot of questions about, well, then what tool am I supposed to be using to launch my program? 
we cannot answer that until we understand what, what do your customers want? What is important to them? That's where the research comes in Two, what is it that your organization is focused on and trying to accomplish? Then we can build a strategy and talk about platforms because it really depends on the other two. So a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to go build a program and then they just start looking for tools, but that is backwards. You really want to start with understanding what your customers want and then what's the strategy you need to have in place to reach your goals. Um, and then you can start talking about tools. <laughs> and here's me when companies start talking about how great their technology is without a business case or strategy. <laughs> yeah. The podcast version, there's, there's smoke a smoke calling? machine. In the <laughs> Colin, I love it. That is so awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, like we talked about with your portfolio, different tools, different platforms for different segments of your audience. It, it's just not going to be a, a one size fits all with that. Yeah, we 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 have a, a client now who was like on the brink of spending a lot of money on on a platform and when we went through this process the, the 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 customer discovery and strategy development at the end of the day it turned out that i mean basically their crm and a slack group is just what the doctor ordered for exactly what um, they needed to do to drive the most value for their business and so it was a great um, realization and, and savings for them and you know maybe down down the road when another program slots into this portfolio that they're building, then maybe then it makes sense for a bells and whistles type platform. But man, if they, if they had gone that route, they'd be trying to shoehorn into that, uh, into that model and it it wouldn't have worked for them. Megan, you want to bring us home? All right. Well, Dina and Liz, thank you so much. Um, There's just so much to cover here. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I could talk about it all day. Um, but our, our lovely audience doesn't probably have all day. So, um, I hope we can invite you back another time to continue the conversation. Um, but for now, you know, I think you shared some really, really meaningful insights about what people need to be doing to, um, progress on their journey towards customer impact through customer engagement, through the evolution of advocacy and all the wonderful things that go with it. Um, thank you very, very much for doing that for us. Colin, any last words before we say goodbye? No, thanks everybody. We hope to have you on again on the next or another episode of Talking CRM. (laughs) 